ML Nation, episode 220. I'm thinking, how can I serve this person? What's going to inspire them to open the door to their network to me? Because that one person is going to lead me to thousands of other people. If you want to be successful, you just have to copy what MLM leaders do. Welcome to MLM Nation, presented by your host, Simon Chan. Where you'll learn strategies, secrets, and inspiring stories from today's top MLM income earners. To be successful, you need coaching. Someone to help you overcome obstacles, give you a kick in the butt, consistent training, and the right support group. Go get a dollar trial to MLM Nation Insider at MLMNationInsider.com. MLM Nation, this is Simon Chan. And before we start, make sure you check out our partner, Networking Times. If you like MLM Nation, you'll love Networking Times. Each issue is packed with amazing training stories from top leaders just like the show MLM Nation. Go check them out at MLMNation.net forward slash times. Again, check them out. Check out Networking Times at MLMNation.net forward slash times. And now here's today's iTunes review of the day. And this comes from Sydney, Australia, from Virginia Chung. It says, Diamond Nuggets, amazing tools. You have to work a lifetime in MLM to gain so much wisdom. Priceless. Well, thank you, Virginia, for taking the time to leave a review. And it is, you know, Diamond Nuggets because of the, you know, this is the only training where you're getting... Top lessons from people who are making it happen, six, seven-figure earners, people who have made millions, even over people who made over eight figures in their work and share their nuggets. And people are actively building at the same time, doing whether it's retail, online, social media, or just old-school, traditional, face-to-face. Uh, you're you're going to learn it here. So thank you, Virginia, for um, taking the time to, to do this. And this is, you know, I'm asking you, if this show has helped you, please take one to two minutes to leave a review on iTunes. They really mean a lot. That's the only thing we ask for. All right. So go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review. With that said, let's head over to today's training. ML Nation, this is Simon Channing. I'm fired up to bring our special guest today, Aaron Fugate. Aaron, are you ready to make it happen? Absolutely. And happy to be here. Aaron Fugate grew up in a 100-acre ranch in southern Oregon and was homeschooled. At 24 years old, she left for the big city to Los Angeles to pursue a career in film. She eventually ended up starting a booking agency for DJs, but soon got tired of it because she felt she wasn't making an impact in the world by just partying. Aaron was also broke and living paycheck to paycheck and got so burnt out that she quit everything and moved to Santa Barbara to be with her mom. It was during this tough time that Aaron discovered network marketing. Even though she didn't have much upline support and was on government financial assistance, Aaron consumed personal development and learned what it took to be successful. Today, Aaron is a blue diamond leader and a six-figure earner. What drives Aaron today is a goal to inspire the youth to go after the dreams and help them understand that if they set their mind to something, they can achieve it. So Aaron, I've given ML Nation a brief intro, but please share more about your background and how you came across network marketing. Well, first of all, can I just say Yahoo? I have never heard anybody put my life into words like that before, and I am just feeling like I'm walking on the moon, so thanks, Simon. <laughs> You're welcome. You, well, you deserve it. That is awesome. Yeah, so I had an interesting life. I was raised by a 
a very colorful mom who was like a hippie gypsy and she just loved to kind of play her own fiddle and not live by society's rules. So she ended up raising me on basically a spiritual commune up in the mountains of Oregon. I didn't go to school. I didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't really have a formal education. And when I got to be about 18 years old, I was over that lifestyle. I wanted to be normal. I wanted to be like everybody else. And so I left home and tried to find my way in the world. And it was a crash course of disappointments. I learned that people lied, that there was a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. I learned that it was really hard to get by financially, to figure out what I was going to do with my life just seemed exhausting. And I was always searching for some kind of inspiration. I finally found it when I discovered the film industry. I worked on a production set and absolutely just fell in love with the the people, the artists, the vision of how you could put a film together and really change someone's life. We probably have all had those moments where we've watched a movie and it's given us a great realization into our own lives. And so I headed to Los Angeles, California because I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be a change maker and really bring some value to the world. But if any of the listeners have ever lived in Los Angeles or tried their hand at the entertainment industry, you know it's it can be a really dark place. And in some ways, you kind of have to sell your soul. And I got so close to that. I, I did not end up where I thought it was going to end up. By the end of my time in Los Angeles, I had turned into a party girl. I was kind of wasting my life away. I was definitely not inspiring anyone. And that started to build a deep hole inside of my soul. And then my body began to suffer. My body and my mind started breaking down at a really young age. I I ended up leaving Los Angeles and moving to Santa Barbara to live with my mom and go see some specialists and kind of try to get my life back on track. I had adrenal exhaustion. I was suffering with depression and anxiety. They put me on medication And I had no education, no formal education. The only thing I had was a GED. So as I started to look at what am I going to do for a career, how am I going to get my life on track, I felt like I didn't have a lot of choices. I thought, well, I could go and be a waitress. I could be a, a domestic worker. I could be a personal assistant, or I could be an entrepreneur. And I just knew that I had to be an entrepreneur. I had to go and create something for myself. I had no idea it was going to be network marketing. And in fact, I really didn't like network marketing. I'd had a few bad experiences. So it was the last thing on my radar. But then this one day, a guy came up to me uh, at my yoga studio after a yoga class. And he introduced me to the product of my current network marketing company. And it was like instant love. I didn't even, I couldn't even hear what he was saying. All I could say was yes. And I was just like, sign me up. I want to do this. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And that was almost eight years ago. And my life has just never been the same. 
Wow, you know, very inspiring.、Uh, I do. I want to ask something for those who don't know, especially those、uh, in other countries. GED is basically, and correct me if I'm wrong. The way to put this,、uh, it's just like a, so. Erin never really graduated because she was homeschooled. Never graduated with a high school diploma or anything. So GED is basically an exam that you take, and if you pass it, I guess that's it gives you the equivalent of a high school diploma, right? That's right. And to say that I was homeschooled is really taking some advantage of the words. I. I have what some would consider an eighth grade education,、hmm. and then yes, I was able to pass that test, which kind of tells me I'm educated enough to say that I maybe went to high school, but I really, really lack math skills. I don't know much about social history. There's often times where I'll be in a conversation with someone, and I just won't know what they're talking about. Because I wasn't taught that, and so it was a really big hurdle for me actually to try and get over. So once you got started,、uh, you were very、uh, excited about the product. You basically signed up.、Uh, you said really quickly.、Um, how was your experience like? What was the first four to eight weeks like? So I I found out about my product. I found out about the opportunity. I immediately went to my mom's house and I signed her up. About twenty minutes later, so that was awesome. I had my first distributor, business partner, and we hit the ground running. But we were truly ignorance on fire. We we loved our product, so it was really easy to talk about our product. I think we fire hosed a lot of people. The first thing that I did is I figured, well, I should probably have a presentation, and so I went down to the local. Bookstore, and they had a little coffee shop in there. And I asked them, "Could I have a gathering in their coffee shop?" They said, "Yeah, no problem." And so I made flyers and I posted them all over town about this class I was having. And then I showed up to that coffee shop and I sat there and I sat there and I sat there and nobody came. And I thought, "Well, what did I do wrong? What's the problem? I put these beautiful flyers all over town, and my product's amazing." Why don't I have tons of people coming to learn about it? So that was the first moment where I kind of realized there was some art and skill to network marketing. And then I started to read books and watch webinars, and I slowly figured it out. But it took a long, long time, and those first couple of weeks they were exciting, but they were also disappointing because I realized I knew nothing about this profession. What was the biggest challenge during the first couple of weeks? It was just the invite and approach,、uh, and holding back your enthusiasm because you say you were fire hosing people. The biggest challenge was both my mom and I were we were desperate. My mom had lost her job, and she also lived at her workplace. She was a caregiver, so she lost her job. She lost her house. And at the same time, the doctor gave us a diagnosis that said she needed to fuse her spine, and she would probably be on narcotics for the rest of her life. So suddenly, I had to be my mom's main caregiver. And at the same time, I the hundred and fifty dollars that it took for me to sign up and get my first collection of products was every single penny I had to my name. And then the auto ship, which was. A hundred dollars a month—that literally was my grocery money. So, as my mom and I were building our business with this impending doom of where am I going to live, how am I going to pay my bills, what am I going to do for 
my health care, then at the same time, how am I going to make my monthly order? It put a lot of pressure. And so it wasn't just a matter of, you know, I want to have a couple of presentations with some people coming. I needed money, like right away. So that's really what was hard. And what I did, and I really like to share this with people because I believe no matter what your financial situation is, you can build a network marketing business and it can help you to get out of that place of desperation. I got creative. I bought $100 worth of samples and I sold those samples actually. I would go around, so my product is essential oils. I would go around and I would ask people if they wanted to buy a small kit of essential oils for about $20. And if I could sell five of those kits, it paid for my auto ship, and then I had a little extra money to buy groceries. And I just didn't let myself use the product for about the first three months because I had to invest everything into the business. Mm. <clears throat> that is really good. I think that's something that um, when I was building out in Asia – that a lot of the uh, Asian countries do. They teach people to sell off their ship. I have a question. Was it $100 you're selling? Was that your ship you're selling off? Or was it an additional purchase you were making to sell off? No, that was my ship. Because the way I looked at it is I had $100 in my budget for groceries. Like I said, I was on government assistance, so I had a little bit of help. So I would take that $100 that I earmarked for my groceries, I would use it to buy my ship, and... If I could sell those that product in a couple of days, then I had money to go and fill yeah. up the refrigerator. So it was this really intense motivation, actually. Yeah. And you then want because, <laughs> yes, yes. And, and no, I was sharing that with a lot of the uh, when I was building up in the Philippines. That's what we did. And basically, people say, "Oh, you know, you have to pay for an order ship." But you were creative. You're creative like that. You basically cost nothing to stay in the business. There's no overhead expense. Exactly. And I looked at that it that way. You know, I had always heard that. You're going to take you a year or two before you break even in a business. And I figured if I could break even my first month, then this is a business I should stay in. And I always looked at it that way. I broke even my first month. By my third month, my commission was paying for my auto ship. By my fourth month, I had a little extra cash. And by the time I had been doing it for a year, my commission check was paying my rent. Hmm. So... That way of keeping track was really important to me. And I always tell that to distributors. Don't go into too much debt with this. Do it in a way where you're turning a profit right away. That's really good. So who are you selling these products to? Were they friends of yours or the co-market? This is when you were out in Santa Barbara, right? You said. Yeah. So I would, I would go out into my community and I would head down to the farmer's market or a coffee shop, or the library, or my yoga studio that I took classes at. And I always had the kits in my bag. And so sometimes it would be friends that I saw and had a conversation with. And sometimes it would be strangers. And I was just always willing and brave enough to say, have you heard about essential oils? Would you be open to learning more? I have this great sample kit here. It's only $20. And it actually was really easy to sell those. So how long did you live in Santa Barbara before you went back to uh, where you're living now in Oregon? So my, my geographical journey while building my business has been really interesting. We started in Santa Barbara 
But as soon as my mom lost her job and we were faced with that, I quickly realized I couldn't take care of my mom and myself in that economy. Santa Barbara is a very expensive place to live. And I started looking around for somewhere that would be a bit more affordable. I realized that Portland, Oregon was a growing city. You could find a very inexpensive place to rent. So I packed my mom up in a U-Haul and we moved to Portland. We lived together with a couple of roommates and my mom and I were just going full force. I stayed in Portland. A majority of my team is there for a couple of years until I reached my goal, which is really funny, Simon, because my goal was $1,500 a month. That's all I wanted to make. I thought that would change everything. And I got my check to the point where it was about $3,000 a month, double what I wanted. And I thought, woohoo, I can retire. (laughs) So I moved to Hawaii. (laughs) My mom and I both went there. We're like, we're just going to go live on the beach in Hawaii. We have this residual income check. It's more money than either of us have really ever made. And we packed up. We went to Hawaii. We we rented some houses there. We started hanging out on the beach. We got bored really fast, right? And then our team was growing and growing and growing. And I was flying back to the mainland every single month. I suddenly hit diamond in my company, which was completely unexpected, making more money than I ever thought possible. And I figured, you know what? It's probably time to go back to the mainland. But I had this really amazing opportunity, which was I could live anywhere in the world. I have this awesome business with residual income. There's people everywhere, so I'm never going to be out of work. And I asked myself, Aaron, where do you want to live? And the image that kept coming to my mind was home. I wanted to go back to my hometown of Ashland, Oregon. I never thought I would go back there, but it's where it's where I kept being called. I love horses and I love the country. So I headed back to Ashland, Oregon. My mom's here too. And it's really wonderful actually to be here without the traffic and to still be building my business even though I'm in a small town. How did you support your teams? Uh, and actually also right now because you live in a very small town. How, they, even when you're in Hawaii, uh, you would fly back once a month. But during the uh, like a typical day, like, did you just do webinars or if someone, for example, if someone was in your downline needed help, how would you support them? So Facebook has been a huge help to me. My team gathers on Facebook. We have Facebook groups for specific, whether you're a customer or a builder or a sharer. I have amazing team leaders and I encourage them to start their own monthly events in their town. I supported them over text messages, Skype, telephone calls. And then I made some automated trainings, so some webinars, video series that people could plug into at their leisure. Mm, That's really good. So through your experience, well, let me ask you this. We're sticking before we go go on, um, getting back to the small town. I I mean, I'm I'm fascinated by the small town because I grew up in a big city, right? There's probably more people living in my block growing up than in your your town uh, in New York York City. So how did you find – how do you consistently find new people? front prospect because you're still building and growing living in a small town because a lot of people they they say oh I live here I don't know not many people are interested so how do you keep continuing to find an endless supply of prospects absolutely and I get that question all the time people say isn't it saturated 
how could you possibly continue to build? And I'll tell you this, Simon, we actually have four diamonds in my small town. So not only is it small, there's some serious leadership here. And the things that I do is, first of all, it's mindset. I cannot afford to let myself go there. I focus on the fact that there are people turning 18 every day. And I did a little search into what those numbers are. And I found out something like 4 million just in the United States are turning 18 every day. So I have a plethora of people to talk to and I don't limit myself to my town. I'm always meeting new people in my town and I'm always sponsoring new distributors, but I'm also reaching out into other areas through social media. And most of all, I love to leverage the network of people. So when I meet someone, I'm not thinking, oh, I got to get them signed up. I got to get them on my product. I'm thinking, how can I serve this person? How can I show up to be a big value add? And what's going to inspire them to open the door to their network to me? Hmm. Because that one person is going to lead me to thousands of other people. Yeah, that is classic uh, networking that most peop- most distributors don't do. Like I said, most people see people as the uh, ultimate goal. Like, oh, I'm going to get them in the business. But the real secret is that person is the doorway to all these hundreds of people that can potentially be the superstar. It's so true. I would rather have a high-quality referral than a high-quality sign-up any day. Yeah. And it's also um, – share your thoughts about this. It's also while building your team – most of your new dis- uh, your new distributors, so for for example, so you sign up someone. That person is pro- not, definitely not not necessarily going to be the leader, but it's going to be a doorway to lead to the leader as well. Absolutely, I I really like numbers, um, and I like to realize that in network marketing, we're going to have all types of people in our organization. Most of them are going to be consumers. And in fact, we want that. That makes for a really healthy organization. A few of them are going to be sharing the product. And then an even fewer amount are going to be building the business. But I should really pay attention to the bulk of those people and take care of them. So if I take care of my customers and my sharers, And I make sure that I'm serving them and I'm giving them the information that they need, the motivation that they need. They're actually, they have the possibility to open me up to my next builder. So whenever people say, how do you find builders? How do you find builders? I just say, I go and love on people and make sure that they're getting whatever it is that they need. And then I trust in the process. And I know that they're going to introduce me to their community and eventually, I'm going to find an amazing builder. Yeah, really good stuff. Thank you for sharing that. Really good. Uh, let's um, shift gears a little bit. Now, what would you consider your worst, worst moment in network marketing? Hmm, I think the day I realized I was not duplicating. Hmm. <laughs> it was a pretty somber moment. And I really had to completely change the way I was looking at 
my business and how I was operating. Was it one of those moments where you just were you working hard and then you realized no one in your downloads was doing doing anything? You just I can I have a picture of you just sprawled out on a couch and just burnt out. <laughs> yeah, with the phone with the phone on your hand. I was <laughs> super burnt out because I had I was so caught up in being the expert and being a rock star and putting on amazing events and having amazing presentations that I had, I'd made it really easy for my team, but I also, I was performing at such a high level that most of my team said, well, I could never do what you do. I wasn't using third-party tools. I was reinventing the wheel. And so I was exhausted for sure. I had, I had a pretty strong downline and a strong team, but I realized I couldn't go any further unless I changed something. So what did you change and how did you get that duplication? I started to use third-party tools, which is huge. So the presentation, I now use a, a tear pad every single time. It's always the same presentation. I don't deviate. And I actually just read off the tear pad. My mission now is for people that are in my presentation to actually think, she makes how much and all she does is read off of that thing? So I had to switch it from I wanted to be this amazing educator who knew everything about my product and everything about my comp plan to a person who could just hold up a piece of paper and read off of it. Hmm. Um, for those who are not familiar, uh, can you explain to them what a tear pad is? Tear pad. Yeah, so it it's pretty much a class outline or a presentation outline with all your bullet points. They're pre-printed and they usually come on a pad so you can just tear them off as needed. That way you can carry it in your bag and you're always ready to give a presentation to someone. Mm. Um, I want to go back to you said before you did your current company. In the past, you had dabbled with network marketing before. You, had, you didn't have any good experiences. So what was the difference this time? So my experience with network marketing in the past is my family... My grandma, actually, she was a very successful direct sales woman in the 50s and 60s. So my aunts and uncles had grown up with that, and they knew that it worked. So whenever there was a, a new product or a new company, I was sure to get a telephone call from one of them trying to sign me up. But it never worked. It was usually a product that I wasn't passionate about, or a compensation plan that really didn't work. And mostly, I just wasn't educated. I would usually sign up because it was my family and I was trying to help them, and it would never go anywhere. I had also witnessed some people get involved in pyramid schemes, real true pyramid schemes, and I saw the damage that that did. So I had blurred the lines. I didn't understand the difference between network marketing, direct sales, and pyramid schemes. And so I just didn't want anything to do with it. I thought that it was kind of cheesy and wrong. And I thought that people were preying on unsuspecting individuals and convincing them to give them all their money and, and feed off their hopes and their dreams. And I just thought it was horrible. But then when I got into a company that had a product that actually changes lives, with a compensation plan that can actually help people get out of debt and create financial freedom. I just realized that I had it all wrong and I was really confused about what network marketing could be. 
Uh, what was the turning point of your business? Uh, kind of like the aha light bulb moment. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe it was when you were in Portland or Hawaii. You kind of—I mean—you were making a little, little bit, be able to pay rent, and then fifteen hundred, and three thousand, and boom, and then yeah, things really took off. What was the what was the thing that really got you going to, to to lead to this explosive growth? There was two things that happened. The first thing that happened is I had never gone to my company's convention. I was actually a silver leader, so I was in a leadership rank, and I had never gone to the convention. So convention time comes around, and one of my builders calls me up and says, hey, did you know that the company has a big convention? We should go to it. And I was like, oh, no, I don't go to those kind of things. And she said, no, I really think we should go to it. And then I tried to use the excuse that, well, I couldn't really afford to go, and she bought my plane ticket to the convention. Wow. So I end up at convention with my builder trying to support her and kind of humoring her. And that changed everything. I was able to really learn about what the company is up to, what we're doing on a bigger philanthropic level. I was able to learn more about the product. And most of all, I watched my team member get excited. And it was the first time that I had someone underneath me who really wanted to go work. So that was really exciting. We came home and hit the ground running. And then the other thing that happened is I had a coaching session. I got like a free discovery session with a business coach. And he ran me through this exercise that helped me to realize I was operating in a poverty mindset. And it was kind of the first time I even understood what a mindset was and how mindset could affect your success. But most of all, I realized that I believed that money was bad, people with money were bad, that I didn't deserve to have money, and all of these different limiting beliefs that were subconsciously held within me and therefore guiding the ship. And so as soon as I realized that, I went to work on changing that mindset. And after that happened, it just went crazy. How do you change a poverty mindset? Because I think that afflicts... Many, many people because of the programming, the way they brought up, the media. So how do you change something like that? What did you do? So I love, I think it's Jim Rohn who said, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And I think that this is really important when we want to change our mindset about anything. You have to look who your top five are. And it's not just people. It's what you're listening to on the radio what you're looking at on Facebook, what you're watching on TV, and then, of course, it's the people that you're spending time with. So the first thing I did is I actually canceled my Facebook account. I completely restarted who I was going to let into my circle and my sphere. I started reading tons of personal development, and anytime I would get in the car, I had personal development going so that I was just training my subconscious mind. I started to weed out different friendships that were holding me back. And I started to add in people who had the type of mindset I wanted to cultivate. Mm. Did you ever feel bad that you weed? So uh, the Facebook, you, you cancel your account and then you restarted it, right? Mm-hmm. That's good. So it's kind of yeah. like, I think subconsciously too, it makes you feel good because you kind of get, really get a fresh start. It was really good. And the thing is, is I I had come from 
a time in my life where I was hanging out with people who didn't really care about me. Hmm. And so I had all this collection of quote unquote friends, but I really had to go through and look at who genuinely cares about me, wants me to be successful and shares some of the hopes and dreams and philosophies that I have. And I just found out that a lot of the people I, that I had in my life, they weren't real friends. Yeah. You know, especially you were in the, you know, the parting and the film industry back then, which is one of the most shadiest industries. And very superficial. I was going to say, because I live in LA and I've been around that. Very superficial. Yeah. And it was a sad moment because I kind of realized that I didn't have a lot of friends. Want to know the best places to find new prospects in a new city? What places to advertise and find leads? As an MLM Nation Insider member, you can get How to Find Prospects in a New City course and all my other training courses for free. Normally, these courses sell for $47 on our website, but all MLM Nation Insider members have free access anytime. You definitely want to be an Insider member. Go take a dollar trial and check it out at www.mlmnationinsider.com. That's mlmnationinsider.com. Well, it's been really good, Aaron. Um, a couple more questions to pick your brain as we wrap up the show. And the first one is, what is one of your favorite success quotes that motivates you? I love the one that goes, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Hmm. What is one habit that's helped you become successful? Working out every day. Do you have a specific routine? Do you work out in the morning, in the afternoon, or the evenings? My favorite is to go to my CrossFit gym first thing in the morning. That way I feel like I've really accomplished something, and then the rest of the day is just cherries on top. Yeah, I love that. What is the – you know, it's funny that we're talking. Um, you put that up in the morning because, like, I always work out, like, 4.30, 5 a.m. in the morning. And actually, except, except for today because I was out late uh, doing a training session yesterday. So there's no way I could wake up early. And I don't I just don't feel as good as I normally do. You know, I gotta yeah. go later. I am I'm going later like two hours from now in the afternoon. I think this is the first time I'll actually be working out in the afternoon in probably years. In the, probably at least over a year. It just feels weird. It's like it just feels there's a certain magic of getting it done the first thing and then you feel like you won. No matter what happens, you won already. Yeah, and it is a secret that I think a lot of people don't know about. And it doesn't mean you don't have to go do a crazy workout. It's just that you have fed your body in a big way first thing, because then there's a lot that's asked of us throughout our day and a lot of interactions that we have to have. And I think that deposit into our self care first thing in the morning makes a big difference. Yep, definitely. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you ever received? Hmm, the best piece of advice. I think it was that if I wanted to be successful, that I didn't necessarily have to know everything, but instead I needed to surround myself with a team. So I need to focus on my strengths and what I'm good at, and then I can look to mentors, coaches, sometimes employees, friends, and team members and come together as a cohesive group where we're each bringing our own strengths. And that that's how you move forward. You're never going to climb the mountain completely alone. You have to have a team. 
what is your favorite prospecting tool you use? So say um, someone is a qualified prospect. Do you lead with a sample? Do you sample off? Or do you send them a link to an online video? Or do you Skype them? Or do you sit down and use a flip chart? Or you set the, uh, the tier pad? What do you like to use? So if it's for a customer, I absolutely sample them. My product is very experiential and it can do all the talking for me. If it's for a business prospect, then I have a CD that I love to send them. What's uh, one of your favorite apps on your phone? Or do you have an online resource like a Dropbox or Evernote that you could recommend? I think I really just love Facebook. It's a great place to manage your list. Anytime I meet someone, I make sure I friend them on Facebook and I can organize my friends by whether they're a lead, a customer, a builder. I have my groups there where I can connect with my team. It's just an amazing resource. So absolutely Facebook. Yeah, you mentioned an uh, important thing, putting them into friends list, which a lot of people don't do, but that's really, really important. Yeah, it's awesome because I can go into Facebook in the morning, click open my leads, and instantly know what's happening in the lives of the people I'm currently networking with. And they don't always it doesn't they don't always enroll right away. Sometimes I've had someone take six years to enroll. But Facebook is a great way for me to just stay in contact with them and be a part of their life so they never forget me. What's one or two books that you you could recommend to ML Nation? 100% The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. It is a life-changing book, so important to read. And then the classic Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Hmm. i got to check out The Big Leap. I've never read that before. It's awesome. And ML Nation, I know you love audio because you're listening to the show. So if you haven't read it, you can get an amazing free audiobook at MLMNationBook.com. That is MLMNationBook.com. Now, Aaron, it's been awesome. Here's the last question, the million-dollar question. Are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. Here's the million-dollar question. Imagine you had to start all over again and you knew no one. So you're kind of like an alien that went to another planet and they spoke English. But you had all, and you had all your current knowledge, skills, and wisdom. What's the first thing you do or the first place you go to find prospects and build an MLM business from scratch? I would 100% join a high-level, hard networking group where I had to meet with a group of people every week, build relationships, and create my sales force. Awesome. And Aaron, as we wrap up, do you have any last words or advice? And then what's the best way our listeners can connect with you? Yeah, my advice is anyone who is listening to this or thinking about getting started in network marketing or maybe you have a business and you've lost your your flame a little bit, just remember, don't give up. Keep going. Network marketing is real. MLM is an amazing opportunity and it can bring great joy and abundance to your life. People can find me on Facebook, Erin Fugate. Or you can find me on my website, jasmineandjuniper.com. ML Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And today, you may hang out with Aaron Fugate. So keep up the momentum and go to mlnation.net and type in Aaron. That's A-R-I-N. Okay, A is in Apple, R is in Robert, I is in India, 
Anders and Nancy at the search bar in the show notes or the nuggets of wisdom that Aaron shared and also links to contact her definitely reach out to her will be right there in order to be successful in network marketing you must help others so Aaron thanks again for sharing your valuable time with ML Nation we're grateful to you and we appreciate you for having a positive impact on millions of distributors worldwide thank you so much again Aaron and God bless you thanks Simon Want to know how to prospect more confidently and speak with influence? As an ML Nation Insider member, you get my Speak to Influence course along with 17 other training courses for free. These courses are normally $47, but with your dollar trial, you get all of them for free for seven days. Go check it out at MLMNationInsider.com. Again, that's MLMNationInsider.com. Hey, ML Nation, this is Simon Chan with a quick recap and review from a great episode from Aaron Fugate. Definitely reach out to her. Go to mlnation.net. Aaron is A-R-I-N. And you see the links to contact her or the show notes there. Uh, some really good really good advice, especially for those uh, if you live in the small towns, excuses, I don't know anyone, or um, I don't have any money. She knocked it out of the park. You know, no money. She was... She basically had $100 of money for buying groceries, and she used $100. And, you know, I talked about this. It was like uh, when I was building out in the Philippines and Malaysia, this is a common strategy, especially if you have comp- – you know, you're in a company with a monthly order, you know, order ships. It doesn't necessarily mean you need to consume the products, right, especially your financial situation. Erin didn't consume the products for the first couple months, so she took her order ship order and sell it. And then so – and she got her money back. And she made a little bit of profit, retail profit, to allow her to uh, buy groceries and also basically she had a free business. So if, everyone, if anyone ever says, oh, it costs so much money to get started, you really, if you sell off the products, it's nothing. It's like free business. Even your startup kit. I don't know how many products are in your startup kit. You can, who says you need to use them? Sell them. Sell them. That's what we did in the Philippines. That's what Aaron did. Sold it. So, how, oh, I don't have any money to afford the monthly maintenance. That's really an excuse. If, you, if your company has the products, sell them off. Okay, sell the products, get your money back. Until you're making enough, then you can start, you have the quote-unquote luxury to actually consume some of those products. So really good. Thank you, Aaron, for just sharing different ways to handle the authorship. Um, she also talked about supporting long distance, right, from uh, using Facebook groups to text messaging, Skypes, and really important, automated training. She does a video. Uh, really, the philosophy is you know leveraging, having leverage is do something once and never have to do it again. So she created the uh, uh, videos and stuff, and she sends out to the team. She never has to explain that again. You know, building from a small town, and that's the reason I asked her. Um, she lived in Santa Barbara, which is very expensive. I mean, very expensive uh, city to live in. I love Santa Barbara. It's beautiful. And then she went to Portland, Hawaii, then back to a small town. It's all about mindset. I love the way she said it. It's mindset. If you start thinking, oh, I live in a small town, because you're going to track what you think. That's the law of attraction. So you start thinking, I'm from a small town, not many people join. That's what you're going to get. So stop thinking about that. So if you're listening, you live in a small town, there's not many people, there's no excuses, Right? And she talked about in her little town, Ashland, just four diamonds in her company there. There are people out there. And every day, there's four million people turning 18 in in the U.S. alone. So there's four million new prospects that you can talk to. And how do you reach out to them? She reaches out social media, right? And another big, big key. This is a, 
You know, you can tell from Erin she's a very, very good networker. So there's two things. Number one is she leverages on the network of people. And that is, again, a big mistake that people make with co-market, especially. They're going out there to meet prospects. I always say, don't meet prospects, meet friends. Find someone, provide value, love, she talks about love on people, how to serve, as how to serve this person. And then that one person will open their entire hundred people network to you. Then you really, really get leverage. That is smart networking. Now, building on that one person may take some time. I agree. It may take some time to build value. But I'm telling you, once they open that network, it, so it becomes fast and easy. I'll give you an example. So if I'm going out there and spending, you know, investing on someone, providing value to someone, it may take a couple of months, you know, give me a couple of weeks the quickest. Right? It's not like someone's going to meet me one day, all of a sudden open the trust me, open the network. It may take one month, three months, six months to for build trust. So, But six months six months from now, an average person knows 250 people. All of a sudden, I get access to 250. Now, so six months to take 250 to, get, to have access to a network of 250. Think of the other way. If you're to go out there and just um, talk to 250 people that would trust you, again, because this is a referral 250 people that you get referred, which is much more powerful than just a co-market. How long would it take you to just build relationships with 250 people one by one? It would take you a long, I'm telling you, it would take, it would take you a lot, and genuine relationships. It would take you a lot longer than six months, okay? It would take you um, years to build good relationships with solid trust if you're going by separate like that. So that's the really key, right? Through referrals, and I love her quote, she'd rather have a great referral than a great sign-up any day. That is the key to networking. If you have trouble building prospects, and I was talking to someone, one of my coaching clients, said, oh, I want to do this, I'll do Facebook ads, I want to do advertising. I said, just go out and meet people and provide value. That he has been asking me this for almost a year and a half. He's gone nowhere. He's always jumping around. I'm going to do this ad, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I thought, you know what? If you just spent the last six months, go to a networking group, provide tremendous amounts of value, or you can go to like a, you know, kids' birthday parties, right? I've been going to a kids' birthday party like every weekend. Find one or two people, provide tremendous amounts of value, build trust, and all of a sudden, you have a doorway of people you can access. Um, so that's where I basically just show you what networking is about. A couple other things. Duplication. Uh, she talked about using third-party tools. Uh, not being the expert. From she, she transformed. Her goal was, was to be an expert. I was not getting duplication. So she transformed from being uh, someone who's just reading off a tear pad to being an expert. That's when she got the duplication. Next is... Um, Convention, right? Events, events, events. It's so funny. Like she had to have to get a downline to buy her ticket. But events are so critical because it builds your belief. And it was also there at that one event because you never know what's going to happen at that event. And a lot of times, the big aha moments is of the people you meet. For Aaron, it was like she got the coaching session where she realized what held her back was a poverty mindset. I'm telling most of you. And including myself, I always ask myself, do I have a poverty mindset? Do I think? And poverty mindset means believes that making money is bad. Being guilty. Like if you made like half a million dollars in one day, you think, oh, that's so, I don't deserve it. Or someone, my best friend, my parents worked so hard, they didn't get the money. I got it so easy. Right? Believe money, making money is bad. Uh, feel that like you don't deserve it. I'm not good enough. I'm not educated enough. Or believe that people with money are bad. They must be scams. They're taking advantage of people. I'll give you one thing that immediately, uh, you, if you feel like you don't have a poverty mindset, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you believe CEOs are overpaid? I, I used to feel like CEOs, 
you know, most people were making, you know, an average factory making 70000 The CEO is making $10 million, $50 million. Why do they deserve to make $50 million? They're overpaid. And I'll tell you, you're going to fall prey to this if you read the media. And Aaron talks about to get out of that, you got to change the people you spend time with, change the things you read and watch. Because if you read the media, you probably think rich people are overpaid. I'm telling you, CEOs are not overpaid. It doesn't matter if they're making $100 million. They're making the company. The reason they're making $50 million, $100 million, whatever, is because they're making the company billions of dollars. And they are, heck, they sh- and they got a tough job. They normally don't stay long, stress. They're working seven days a week. If it's 16, 18-hour days, probably always traveling, never seen the family. Yeah, they should deserve $40, $50 million, right? If you probably traded... The life of being a CEO, like a CEO of a top Fortune 500 company, you'll probably love the money but would hate the lifestyle. And these people are sacrificing a life for that money. So don't ever feel that these you know, corporate executives are overpaid because they are not. And also, the amount of work and hardship, the years that of, of commitment, working late nights, weekends to get there. We live in the, um, we're kind of straying off topic here. We live in the free market, capitalism. You always get what you paid for. You know, I'm telling you. The shareholders of publicly traded companies, if they felt they were overpaying the CEO, guess what? Do you think they would keep paying the CEO that much money? No, they would cut it down. Just like the, you're always paid by the value you provide. Anyway, I actually teach that in the inside the mind of a top income earner, of course. Uh, but mindset's really important. That was Aaron's turning point. Really seeing um, and realizing she had to work on that. And I love it. She deleted her Facebook account, started new, right? And she really f- focused and emphasized aware of the people she's spending time with and the certain people that she had to let go. So, yeah, really good stuff. Um, there are two other things. Uh, I mean, there's so much notes, good stuff here. Uh, success, you know, you want to be successful, you don't need to know everything. You work on the leveraging off your network. It seems like a recurring theme here. Network, network, network. It's the people you know. Provide value. And last tip is Facebook friends list. I use that all the time. I have tons of Facebook friends that sorted by different categories. If you don't know how to use that, that really, you learn to use Facebook more efficiently. Just go to Google and just how to create Facebook friends list. I'm sure tons of listings will teach you how to do that. And you save you tremendous amounts of time, allow you to follow up and connect with people better. Anyway, this is Simon Chan. Thank you for listening. Make sure I subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. They mean a lot. Definitely get uh, get in touch with Aaron, amazing leader, awesome training, tons of golden nuggets here. Uh, just super cool from a small town girl making it big. So reach out to Aaron Fugate, MLMNation.net. Search for Aaron, A-R-I-N. MLMNation, thanks for listening to Simon Channel. I'm loud and proud to be a network marketer. And remember, we're in the profession to help others. Like Aaron says, love on people. So go out there and have a positive impact on someone's life today. God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us today on MLM Nation. Head over to MLMNation.net for full recaps of every show, our training articles, and helpful resources. Your MLM success is waiting for you. So prepare to take off.